Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the CDI podcast. My name is Shelby Fiegel, and I'm the director of the Center for Community and Economic Development and the Community Development Institute at the University of Central Arkansas. I am very, very excited to be joined today by Joe Borgstrom on this episode. Joe is a principal of Place and Main Advisors, LLC. Joe's 20-year career includes executive management, project financial structuring and evaluation, fund development, program management, public speaking, consulting, and the list goes on and on. He has been a featured keynote speaker at statewide downtown conferences in states like Wisconsin, Tennessee, North Carolina, Alabama, Delaware, and Arkansas, where our podcast is featured. And he is also a multi-time presenter at the National Main Street Conference. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to get to talk to you and ask you some questions. Thank you, Shelby. Really appreciate uh, the invitation to be here today. Yeah, absolutely. And so our podcast kind of has a rhythm to it. So we like giving that little intro, and then we like to go into just talking about you and your career and how you got where you are today. So uh, this is really my favorite part of the podcast is learning about your background. Um, So just let us pick your brain a little bit. Where'd you come from? How did you get into community and economic development? Well, I'm glad this is your favorite part because talking about myself is the part I hate the most. So I'm glad this is at least going to be enjoyable for you because I, I, this is, I, I, I just, I, I have a hard time with this. I know a lot of folks have a hard time talking about themselves. So uh, I, I will tell you that um, I've been doing this for, geez, I, I hate to actually do the math now because I know it's been more than 20 years and we're coming up on, it's, it's 2022 now. So I think I'm coming up on 25 and I hate to admit it, uh, but it's, I've been doing this since, uh, oh, I believe it was my junior year in college, believe it or not. I was very fortunate. I uh, did an internship. Um, with the University of Michigan Flint, which is where I I went to college and uh, did an internship with an economic development agency in town um, and had no idea what economic development was when I started doing this. I was a marketing major and business major uh, with an ops minor and uh, I wanted to do something with marketing. And then I found out there's this whole industry that helps market communities and helps businesses who are there get stronger. and, And what I discovered over time was that there's this whole other industry too around downtowns and around communities and all this whole world that didn't, I didn't know it even existed when I was in college. And I was just thinking, Hey, there's a job in the industry I can get some experience in. And uh, I was really fortunate. I I got a great job working in Flint, um, which, you know, I know folks don't always hear that name. They don't always have the best connotation of it. I will tell you, I have a ton of love for that city. It has been uh, a great place to be from. Uh, I'm very proud of working there. Matter of fact, we're getting ready to uh, to launch a project there coming up this year. Um, so it's it's a great it was a great experience and great way to kind of get introduced to doing all this stuff. Uh, from there, I was very fortunate to go work for the state of Michigan and the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. And uh, it was the first group actually the state put together the Economic Development Corporation put together to deal specifically with communities. So they went from just the corporate recruitment side to how do we help downtowns, how do we help communities. And I was there and I was able to, uh, to start one of the first people who started this group called the Community Assistance Team. Uh, I had a wonderful mentor uh, by a guy named uh, Bob Trezice, uh, and made two, you know, in addition to Bob, two other lifelong friends, Randy Thalen and Jay Schwaler, amongst thousands of, you know, thousands of other people that I got to meet over the years. But, uh, you know, Jay Schwaler and Laura Krizov and Bob Terry and, you know, a number of folks that over the years 
have played big roles throughout Michigan and other places in the country to help create these great places. So I, I got to kind of cut my teeth doing that kind of work. Uh, they went to Shiawassee County, which is a, a pretty rural county between Flint and Lansing. Uh, and then about uh, 2006, I was able to go back to the state of Michigan as a, as a senior level manager uh, within the housing authority and helped you know oversee a lot of the different incentive programs that was kind of being you know bandied about between the housing authority and the economic development corporation on real estate. So at that time, I got to learn all about brownfields and um, you know oversaw community development block grant programs and tax credit programs. And got to work with a lot of this stuff and, and myself, my teams, we were able to help uh, facilitate about $2.2 billion of, of private investment into the, into the state of Michigan, which was a ton of fun to be able to do, which sounds kind of funny, but I learned so, so much. And I got to do that for about 10 years. And in 2016, uh, my wife, who was my business partner, uh, we had actually talked years prior and said, you know, wouldn't it be great someday if we could you know, do consulting together. And in 2010, she went out on her own. Uh, we had actually met working at the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Uh, and then in 2010, she went out on her own, uh, having worked in the tourism industry and did was very successful at that. And then 2016, you know, the opportunity came up for me to leave the state and uh, for us to really kind of go at this as a couple and, 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 you know, professionally for us to start placing main advisors and it was, I will never forget my last day at work, working for the state of Michigan was my 40th birthday. Uh, we always joke that, you know, some people's midlife crisis is to go buy a convertible. Uh, I quit my job and we, you know, we started uh, doing consulting full-time. So um, it'll be six years coming up in uh, this, this July. And I really couldn't be more thankful for where we are and the journey that we've had. Um, and it's been, we've had some great clients. I've been able to go some incredible places. We were talking about it before the, the podcast started about, I've been I've been able to go to uh, to Conway. I've been to Searcy. I've been to Eureka Springs in in Arkansas, and I've been had really good fortune to work in in uh, geez five six seven states right now. Uh, and it's just we feel like we're just getting started, and it's been just an absolutely incredible fun ride. That I you know had you asked me when my career started back in when I was in college in the late nineties if I'd be doing this, I would had no clue at all that this even existed. Yeah, I, I have two comments to make. Um, I know you said this wasn't your favorite part, but like I said, it's my favorite part. Um, and I, I think that you might be one of the only people that actually started in community and economic development before they graduated college. Um, a lot of people like fall into these roles. It's just kind of, you know, oh, I guess I could do that. Oh, wait, there's a whole industry, you know, that I could, you know. And that was the same thing for me. It was just, it just happened to be an internship. And, you yes. know, and my, our university helped pay for it as a co-op program. And I, I, and I seriously just completely lucked out um, in, in terms of getting introduced to this because, you know, I could be in any, any other industry um, right now today. And I don't know if I'd be as happy as I am doing what I'm doing now because I couldn't imagine being happier. Yeah, absolutely. Our our staff at the University of Central Arkansas, we really try to introduce as many students, um, primarily, obviously, UCA students to this field, but um, high school students as well. That's something that we really try to think about intentionally when we speak to any groups um, of high school students, especially juniors and seniors, and try to say, you know, this is a 
lucrative career opportunity that is very fulfilling, especially if you're service oriented. Um, but the other thing I wanted to mention was uh, not only did we kind of get your professional background, we got to hear your love story too, Joe. So <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I weren't expecting that, but uh, that was kind of like a bonus is we can call this like a romantic podcast now. Uh, love, love to hear that. Um, so the next question I have for you is diving a little bit deeper into your work. Um, so I mentioned in the intro that you work at Place Main Advisors and you shared a little bit about how you got started um, in this organization and partnership with your wife. Uh, but can you just provide us a brief history of, you know, when you created Place in Maine? Uh, what, you know, what was your mission? What was your vision for the work that you wanted to do and assist communities with? Well, to be honest, I mean... So we started, as I mentioned, we started in, um, in 2016 and the goal was really to find ways to help communities. And we've, you know, we, both my wife and I, you know, grew up in Michigan. We're very, you know, we're, we are pretty Michigan centric as a family. Um, she's had the, the good fortune of living in other places like Chicago and Florida and Atlanta and uh, got to see some of that. But what, one of the things that we really wanted to do with this was to be able to help communities in Michigan, but be able to help communities outside of Michigan and be able to work with communities all over the country and have them learn from each other. And I will tell you that some of my best experiences with consultants having been on the other side of the table are those people who say, who could come to the, come into the room and say, Oh, I saw this in South Carolina, or I saw this in Alabama, or I saw this in Wisconsin, or I saw this, you know, Iowa or wherever. And they were able to bring those, those examples from somewhere else, you know, to, to, to where I was. And I saw that and I saw the ability for people to really effectively tell their stories and to do all these things. And we've really kind of had this, um, uh, we, we kind of had this thought that we wanted to be able to do that same thing for other people. And, you know, there's, you know, friends we had in the industry and, and folks were starting to retire. And we saw that there was this, we thought, felt that there was this opportunity a little bit and we didn't want to be a big firm. We didn't want to, you know, we didn't want to be something where, we were constantly trying to grow the business and grow the business. We're trying to grow the business, of course, but we're not doing it in a way that's, you know, we're just going to, you know, have a staff of 24 and we're going to, you know, do all this other stuff. It's literally Kirsten and I. And, you know, we partner a lot with with some other firms, um, with people that have become really great friends personally as well as professionally. And so, you know, for us, it was really about how, do, how can we help communities do the best things that they can. For me, it's about being about, creating the best places. And, you know, what I learned, you know, working, you know, coming from Flint as an example, which was people have this, this impression of a community when they hear its name. So it's important one, when they experience that community, that they're getting a great experience, not just, Oh, here's the industrial park. And this is where you can put your business. It's about what kind of community are people going to come to when they, when they come to Flint, what are they going to see in Flint? And for, you know, Kirsten's, role. It's also, you know, how can communities like Flint, how can other communities destination tell their story effectively? You know, it's not just about, you know, the things that you see in the news and, you know, there's a, there's a cynical belief in, in public relations world that if it bleeds, it leads. And we all know that bad news travels quicker than good news. But if we're not putting out the good news portion of that, then all people are getting is the bad news. And so, you know, we really try to focus on, you know, making sure that there's a quality place there and that place can tell its story. Yes, I absolutely are. Um, our, you know, kind of vision for what community and economic development means um, from 
our team's perspective definitely falls in line with everything you were saying is it's not purely always an economic development issue. It's uh, you know, community development really facilitates that economic development. Um, and I know you've already mentioned a couple of places that you've worked in, some of the states uh, you have a presence in. But uh, when you really look back on 2021, this is, you know, the probably question you're going to get all the time, you know, as you near the end of the year, start a new year. Um, but when you think back, uh, what impact did you have on the communities you work with? And what were some of the bright spots um, in your work that you want to share? Um, I think that, like you said, communities can learn from one another. So what are some places that you want to highlight that you want to showcase uh, that you've recently done work in? So there's, yeah, there's, there's a couple for sure. Um, one of the, so the first thing I, I want to say is what an incredible time to be working in this field. Um, you know, going into 2020, you know, we felt like, okay, you know, there's a whole new um, emphasis and a whole new focus on helping communities. We're seeing it all over the country from an economic development perspective. And, you know, it used to be the community development was just kind of this thing that was kind of on its own. And some states did it, some states don't, some communities do it, some communities don't. We've really seen over the last 10 years this uh, this momentum building towards creating quality communities, creating quality downtowns. And we thought we were heading down this one path and then a pandemic hits and brings everything to a kind of a screeching halt. And, you know, there was, there was a moment for about 10 minutes during all this where we thought, oh man, there is, you know, if everybody's shutting down, if everybody's, you know, stopping what they're doing, what are we going to do? You know, there's just that, that moment of that. And then after about minute 11, the phone started ringing saying, what do we do? <laughs> and, you know, it, all the, we, all of us consultants, we kind of were in the same boat. It's like, okay, now how do we use our skill set to help address this? Something none of us have ever dealt with, but trying to lean on our, our expertise and what we've known in the past and how can we apply it today? So starting in 2020, we really started working on, you know, with communities on, you know, how do you adjust to this? In 2021, we saw that kind of carry, carry forward. And then we also saw, you know, the looking ahead. So it's, no longer, you know, just the, the, you know, the idea of the immediate panic of the pandemic. It's okay. We think that there might be a delay at the tunnel. We know at some point we're going to be on to the next step. And so we got to start thinking instead of how do we keep people open today? We got to go back into that future mindset. So in 2021, we had some great experiences. We worked with probably the largest, um, uh, dichotomy, I guess, is the best way you can think about it in terms of the communities that we worked with. So we were brought in at the at late 2020 uh, to start working with uh, the Coastal Bend region in Texas, which is Corpus Christi, the, the general Corpus Christi area. There's several communities, three counties down there. Um, and they brought us in to work on a place enhancement plan. So one of the things that they were experiencing is a loss of talent. So they have a population growing, but the retention is not terribly high. So they brought us in and we worked with uh, Catherine Laughlin, Dr. Laughlin. Uh, she's based out of Cary, North Carolina and the University of Michigan Flint's uh, Economic Development uh, Office. And we were able to do some surveys. And then we actually went and spent some time on the ground in Corpus Christi and surrounding your area and helping them try to figure out between their current master planning processes. There were, you know, all these communities were kind of doing their own little things, but we try to help kind of cement those into some overarching, you know, strategies for that region. And to give some additional uh, uh, ideas and some some additional uh, thoughts in terms of how they can address some some key issues and you know utilizing place. If you've never been to Corpus Christi, they have this amazing coastline that's almost entirely publicly owned. Um, and 
you know, how do you activate that? How do you get people more engaged in that process? And having people really interact with the place helps create that bond. So really fortunate to work with Corpus Christi during that time. We we wrapped that up probably about midway through 2021. About the same time we were working with this little town in Michigan, um, Mayville which is in the thumb. And I believe it is a population of 1100. So on one hand, we were working with a region of 400,000 and I'm literally like I'd close the, the file and we'd open up the file on, on Mayville and it's this town, little rural town in Michigan of 1100. And with a, you know, very struggling downtown, it was a downtown redevelopment plan uh, that we were brought in and we were helping them just get some of the basic tools to help them try to understand their own market um, you know, that's one of the things that I think we see the most is seeing communities of varying capacities uh, and not understanding some of it's very basic. Like we don't know, you know, how much money does our community spend every year and, and on what? And so in Mayville's case, we help them kind of help understand that to say, all right, so you've got all these vacancies in your downtown, you know, what would make the most sense in going here? And so we take a look at some of that data and we're able to connect them to those sorts of things and then helping them address, you know, some of the physical stuff. Like there was literally a building falling down. In, in this community, you know, so how do you address that? And so, you know, we, we have to work on both sides of that huge scale, this massive region. Uh, and the thing I really, I really, I forgot to mention when we we're talking about Corpus, um, what was really interesting there was that was that project was led by the Regional Economic Development Corporation. It wasn't a city, it wasn't a, a planning commission, it wasn't, it was the economic development people. And I got to tell you, working in this industry, and you know, I'm the, I consider myself kind of the economic developer who works in the community development field. It's the first time really that we've been engaged by the economic development groups. And that's where I'm seeing, you know, we're seeing this real sea change in terms of how serious our industry is now being taken by folks who are very well resourced, which is the economic development field. Uh, so those two communities really kind of, you know, provide a really huge scale in which we got to work in. And of course, we had some other great clients. We worked with uh, Flat Rock, Michigan. Uh, we actually started doing some work in Alabama. Uh, we did some uh, uh, pandemic recovery stuff in, in 2020. And then this year, this past year, we started, uh, and this will be continuing on into this year, uh, working with the Main Street Alabama group there in doing real estate redevelopment strategies for a lot of their downtown. So again, connecting market data to available to the available inventory. And then for some of those difficult projects, you know, some of those buildings have been sitting vacant for a long time, um, using our skill set of being able to, one, help them tell their story, but two, help them figure out, you know, what's this pro forma thing that developers look at? You know, what's this, how does this actually, how do the economics make sense? So we're spending time with some of these communities and helping them develop, you know, some sample pro formas for some of these more difficult properties so they could you know, be able to show, you know, okay, if you invest this, if we, you know, we think that the renovation cost is going to be this, uh, if you're able to get this, these types of rents, here's how this actually cash flows. Here's how this makes money. So we're, you know, helping to try to breathe life back into these, into these communities and into these buildings specifically by giving the local communities knowledge on how to actually, you know, how this stuff works. Because I think we, a lot of times we see these empty buildings, and we think, well, somebody should do something with that. Well, one, why is it that way? Two, what does it need to be done? And three, how does it actually financially work? And so we're really kind of working with, you know, everyone can identify, you know, the, the crappy buildings in their community. Uh, I think, you know, to an extent, we've got another level of communities who can kind of figure out that data portion. But the third part is how do you work? How do you work the financials? And so we find spending a decent amount of our time kind of explaining that portion. And then sometimes we act as an interpreter too. When, we, when a community has a developer, um, and the developer says, well, we need an incentive to do this. 
communities aren't equipped to be able to read a financial pro forma nine times out of 10. You know, some city managers can do it. There are some very talented downtown directors who can do it. But by and large, that's not what we've asked of this industry for a long time. And so that's one of the roles that we help play is that sometimes we, you know, we'll look at the financials and say, all right, we're the third party here. You know, we think this is legitimate. We, we have some questions about this. That might be a legitimate point. I really doubt this part. Let's ask more questions and be able to help communities kind of guide through that process. Because a lot of times, you know, they want to do the right thing. They don't want to be taken advantage of. And so we try to help kind of bridge that. Yeah, and I love that you take that multifaceted approach. It's not just a, well, we're going to come in and we're solely going to focus on just helping you with this one piece. It's really, again, everything is interrelated in this field. And when you can take all of those pieces of the puzzle and start to fit them together and really educate the folks that you're working with, teach them, give them the tools where they can create the success, not just as a consultant coming in. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna fix X Y Z, and then pe- bye, peace out. We're <laughs> we're gone. Right. Um, so th- I think that's why your work is so uh, you know so great to share and talk about. Um, and I love also that you showed you know an example of a larger community and then a more rural community and how you can still create success and momentum at the local level, even if you live in a community of under 1500 people. Um, And that's primarily, you know, our audience in Arkansas is we're really working with a lot of what we would consider rural communities. And even some of our, what we consider mid-sized communities in Arkansas are really rural communities um, compared to a lot of the United States. Um, And there's always something that you can do to make your community a better place to live, work, and play. Absolutely. so you've kind of touched on this as well, this uh, concept of collaboration, which we don't normally talk about when we're talking about the consultant world. Um, we don't really touch on collaborations <laughs> between different groups. Um, and really, you have been uh, one of the spearheads on creating a space online called Downtown Happy Hour. Um, it's a Facebook group that I'm a part of um, and many, many other people um, that are in this industry are part of as well. Um, so just talk a little bit about, you know, why did you help create that group? Why do you think it's important to have a space like that where we all can connect with one another? So the honest answer uh, so there, there's uh, there's an industry answer. The industry answer is we want to create a space where professionals could come together and collaborate and you know ask questions openly and and to have conversations and to do it in a light and fun manner. The honest answer is you know with my two friends uh, Ben Muldrow from Arnett Muldrow and Associates and Jeff Siegler from Revitalize or Die, we were getting together about once a week uh, via Zoom during the pandemic and having a beer and just shooting the bull and having fun doing it. And I think Ben at one point just said, Hey, should we put this on Facebook? You know, can we pour this over? And so we, we ended up creating this Facebook group because nobody, I want to say the first one we, I want to say we hosted, I don't think we created the group yet. I don't remember exactly. It's all yeah, kind of a blur. It was it's an been... event first. I remember you guys hosted like a virtual conference. I remember. Oh, it's no, no, no. This was, church. this was way before that. We were oh, okay. We're six, going like back further. This was, like, this is like six. <laughs> this was probably, I take that back. This was about three months before all that two, two, three months before, before I'll get into the better just a second. Um, but you know, we were literally just kind of sitting around and we're like, you know what, you know, we've talked to a lot of our friends, you know, and everybody's in the same case, you know, every, at that point, everybody was just sitting around at home, 
you know, and, and they were, you know, even downtown, all these downtown directors and these main street directors, they were trying to figure out how to keep their businesses afloat, but they were doing it from home. And it was just kind of this pent up energy where people wanted to event and they wanted to get together. And so we said, you know, let's start doing this. And so we created the group and we started, you know, just porting in our Facebook, you know, into Facebook, our Zoom chats, uh, where we're sitting there having a beer and, 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 and shooting, uh, shooting the bowl. And, um, it, I mean, it, it, and it came out to the point where, you know, people started sharing stuff and we created this group and, you know, we enjoyed it. Everybody else seemed to enjoy it. So we got a couple of months into this and then, you know, one of the big national um, conferences, Main Street Conference, uh, which was scheduled to be in Dallas that year, um, had announced that they were canceling because of COVID and everybody understood it. And everybody was, you know, there was no, there was no qualms about it whatsoever. But we were all disappointed because that's one of those things. If you're in the Main Street in the downtown world, the National Main Street Conference or the Main Street Now Conference is kind of the place where you get together. And it's where you go get re-energized and you get to see friends and colleagues from around the country. And it's it was one of those places, things that you know people really, truly miss. And we're really looking forward to the one coming up in Richmond here um, in a couple of months. But again, we were sitting around having beer one night and via Zoom. And, and I think it's always Ben. Ben's the instigator. Um, ben texts and says, Hey, what do you guys think about us putting on a, on a, on a virtual conference? And we kind of thought, Oh God, that sounds like a lot of work, Ben. And then we started thinking about it and it was just like, you know what? Hey, we got three days, you know, we're all, I mean, at this point, it was still kind of slow from, from a consultant standpoint, it was slow everywhere from, from every standpoint. And we started mapping it out and like, listen, Hey, you know, if, you know, you, if you take on three speakers and you find three speakers, I think it was, I think that back, I think it was five speakers each. If we could find folks to come speak, then why not? What the hell? Let's go do it. And we did. And we were super lucky. I mentioned uh, uh, Catherine Laughlin. She keynoted the, the opening keynote, which thank God for her for doing that because, you know, she gets paid a ton of money to go do those things all over the world. And she came out to our little Facebook you know, show for free and then did that. And everybody spoke for free because we weren't charging anything. This is the whole idea was that we created, a, you know, this free resource. I'll tell you what, there are very few times I use the term magical, but that felt like it was three days of magic where people got together. We talked, we, you know, we, um, we laughed and we joked and, you know, we, we shared our frustrations. And at the end of the day, everyone kind of felt better. It was therapy. It was like this big group therapy. And so we, you know, we continue to do that. And then this last year we did it again. Um, you know, again, unfortunately the national conference was, was canceled again. Um, and so we did it again and it was, awesome again. And so, you know, we've really enjoyed doing this and having this, this opportunity to have folks together. And, you know, there's a lot of folks that go into it and, and you know, I'm one of the moderators, Ben's one of the moderators, just one of the moderators, uh, Phil Ike, uh, I know is one of the moderators. And we got a couple other folks who, you know, kind of help out making sure that the content's there and that, you know, that we're trying to make sure that conversation is there, but we don't have to do that much anymore because people are really coming into, the space and interacting at the space in the space and asking for advice and people are freely giving it. And, you know, one of our rules for consultants in particular, since all three of us are consultants who started the thing is don't come in and sell your stuff. You know, nobody wants this to be a sales pitch. Nobody wants, you know, you can be an expert without, you know, flashing your business card up. And, you know, that's been really kind of attacked. And I really give a lot of credit to not only Jeff and, and Ben, but all the other consultants who are active on that and everybody's cool about it. And I always say that we, you know, we consultants, we collaborate sometimes we compete other times. I would say we practice a, a cooperation. So sometimes we cooperate, sometimes we're competition at some point or another, we're all friends. 
And it's important for us to kind of to do that. And so I give a lot of credit to our fellow consultants who who contribute and are play a part in this in this Facebook group, and really a lot of professionals who come here who say, you know what, I need to get I need to get some real answers, and they come and do it. And now we've seen small business owners. We see folks who it's not just the professionals in the downtown space. It's the the stakeholders in those downtown spaces who are now coming in and chiming in. I mean, we're over twenty seven. We we we've reached twenty seven hundred members this this week. Um, it's it's incredible. It's been so much so much fun to be a part. Yeah, absolutely. And at being a part of that twenty seven hundred plus, I'm sure membership base. Um, what I really enjoy is just when folks get on there and just share good things that are happening. I mean, that's where, that's how I learn is seeing things put in action and then doing them myself. And so just that idea generation and just simply, um, unveiling things that I didn't know existed, you know, in all of these great places. Um, so I can look forward to exploring some of the places that are shared on there. Um, is what I get really excited about. Um, but Joe, that's the last question I have for you. And I want to thank you again for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me on the podcast. Um, do you have any closing words you want to share with the audience? Any um, words of advice or anything you want to sprinkle in everybody's heads? So I know I know that there, you have a wide group that, that listens to this. And I will say, if you're a professional, do your best to speak English, you know, or to speak the language of the people that you're working with. And I don't mean that in a, in a, um, in a linguistic choice, I mean, as speak plainly, you know, do your best to, to not use the fancy terms that we're all taught in college. Uh, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times where I've run into people and, you know, there's just literally a communication issue because somebody can't explain it simply. And I was thinking of the great Albert Einstein quote, which was, if you can't explain it simply, you just don't know it well enough. And so I think it's really important for us as professionals to be able to speak plain English. And that's one of the things I like about the downtown happy hour is that you don't see people talk about, you know, one of my favorite words that the, my, my architect friends use is fenestration, which is kind of the fanciness on front of the, on the front of a building. Um, you know, you don't see people use those types of terms very often. And so it's important for us if we're going to make if we're going to make inroads in communities and in particular, you know, rural communities with aging populations who haven't been exposed to a lot of these ideas, we can't come in there and acting, you know, like we're college professors. We have to come in and say, you know what, have you guys thought about this? Because we've seen this somewhere else, you know? And so it's this idea of being able to, to speak to the audience that, that you're with and, and to be able, and again, no matter where you are, you can help advance people, just kind of meet them where they are. I think that um, you can read my mind because that's what as this past couple of months, like through the pandemic, that's really, I think the key is that communication piece, meeting people where they are, getting them to have a conversation with you, engaging them in that conversation and not um, doing the lecture. Like you said, we're not college professors. We're coming in to meet you where you are to connect with you. So I love that. I already want to pull that definitely for the trailer part of uh, <laughs> this, uh, this podcast. Um, so thank you again, Joe. Um, I know that I speak for everybody that you've worked with and everybody you've connected um, since, since you've started your work and in your career. Um, we're just thankful to have you in this field. Uh, for our audience on upcoming episodes, the CDI podcast will feature CDI graduates and participants, partners, uh, and community and economic development experts from across not only Arkansas, but all over the United States. And so we hope you join us next week on the CDI podcast.